Welcome to Canada Homeschools, the dose of inspiration and encouragement for Canadian homeschoolers. Canada Homeschools features interviews with homeschool group organizers, resource suppliers, and conversations with everyday homeschoolers just like you, all from a Canadian perspective. I'm your host, Rowan Atkinson. I'd like to thank you for joining me. Now let's get started. <laughs> In 400 meters. In 100 meters. You have reached your destination. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it is that you find yourself listening to this episode, and welcome. Today, it's my pleasure to have as my guest, Anna Willis, who is an unhurried homeschool mom and blogger at theycallmeblessed.org. Anna, what can you add to that introduction? Tell us about your family and how you got started with homeschooling. Hey, Rowan, so good to be here. Thank you for having me. I am very excited to be sharing a little bit about my unhurried homeschooling approach. This is a term actually that I, I borrowed from a, fan, a friend of mine, Doranda Wilson. She wrote a book called The Unhurried Homeschooler that really impacted me. And uh, that's when I started to kind of just slow down and enjoy homeschooling like I never did before. And by circumstances of things that happened to me that I guess we're going to be talking about in a little while, in a, in a little bit, I uh, had to make a radical change into how we homeschooled and what our priorities really were. And I wanted to share that experience with the moms, with the homeschool moms that were following me on the blog. So I am a homeschool mom of three kids. My kids are now ages eight, 10, and 12. We've been homeschooling for eight years. So since my last one was born, we started to homeschool. And uh, we, we started to homeschool because I was not happy with the, um, what was happening in the public schools. At the time, we were living in Northwestern Ontario. And we were not having a good experience with my son in kindergarten. And we decided we were going to uh, bring him home and, and homeschool, even though both my husband and I were pastoring a church, we were working uh, full time, and it was, it was kind of fine. Now, now looking back, it's kind of fine. We had to juggle, we had to just juggle all three kids in, in order to homeschool and continue to pastor at church at the same time. And I know from experience that that line of work is not really just like nine to five because there are always things in the evenings and, and it, it kind of never stops. I'm married to a pastor, so I totally get it. Yeah, there is, um, there's no weekends, no breaks, no holidays for pastors. Um, it is, it is a 24 seven, uh, profession it 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 really 
people can, you know, there are situations that can happen at any time of the day that you have to leave your house, you have to be back at the church, you're, you know, it could be on the weekend. So it's, it is, it's very busy. It's, it's not like your nine to five job that you, you finish your work, you go home and that's it. Um, you're very right. You know, you live that with your husband, you know exactly how it is. And you can't just turn it off and then pick it up again the next day. No, you can't because you're dealing with lice and you're dealing with sickness and, and, and marriages and all kinds of situations that cannot wait. So now, Anna, you wouldn't always have described yourself as being unhurried. Your mission is to help people go from stressed to blessed because you went through quite a difficult time in your homeschool. Can you share that part of your journey with us? Of course, yes. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and tell you a little bit about my background. I have always been the person that goes, 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 <laughs> never stops. I've I've always traveled a lot, spoken a lot of churches, did a lot of things at the same time. I I have been you know running businesses and uh, creating new businesses. I have I have always had a creative mind when it comes to. Uh, um, being an entrepreneur and also being in ministry, very, very busy all the time. And I remember when my first son was born, I got married very late. I was 33 when I got married, 34 when I had Benjamin. We were full-time in ministry in Jerusalem at that time. And uh, I went from speaking in like 24 churches in 21 days to staying home with a baby that never slept. And I remember just crying my eyes out and just asking the Lord, this is it, Lord, this is it. You know, now I'm going to stay stuck at home with my baby crying all the time. Like, what did I do wrong? And the Lord said to me, he says, you have done nothing wrong. He said to me, he is your greatest ministry. And this is where I want your focus to be. So right after that, I became uh, more and more involved in ministering to other moms who felt the same way that I did, who felt like, you know, I, I've always been busy and productive with other things. How do I navigate now being home with my child? As much as I love, love, love being a mom and, be, and, and having my, my baby, um, there was this kind of a lack of identity that happened after we became moms and, you know, compared to what we used to do before, we felt very useless. And so I began to encourage these moms and a movement called the Baby Watch began in Jerusalem. We started praying every Wednesday uh, afternoon in the prayer tower, which is the highest 24-7 uh, house of prayer in in Jerusalem. I mean, it's on the top of the city center in Jerusalem. And moms began to come with their babies or some sometimes pregnant moms become, uh, came with their babies and we began to pray for one another. And we used to pray 150 scriptures over our children and just encourage one another in this ministry. Well, fast forward the years we left Jerusalem, we, have, uh, we went to Brazil for ministry for 14 months, and the Lord called us to Canada. We've been here for almost 10 years, and we love Canada. I came to Canada, and we went to pastor a church in Northwest in Ontario. We were very busy with ministry. That's when we start homeschooling. And then after two and a half years, we moved to Charlottetown, PEI, to also help pastor a church there. Actually, pastor, help to pastor two churches there. 
And I was extremely busy as an assistant pastor for one church and as the interim pastor for another church with my husband being the worship pastor and three little kids juggling around and homeschooling them. And I, I guess I just, I just uh, got to my absolutely limit of being exhausted and overwhelmed and always pushing myself to my limit. And um, I, I can tell you, Rowan, that I, I, I cry myself to sleep for two and a half years in exhaustion because as we mentioned before, pastors are not, you know, they don't have a nine to five job. The job continue. Sometimes I'll leave the house at eight o'clock in the morning and I'll come home at 11 o'clock at night and, uh, and still nursing a baby and still with two toddlers, you know, or it was, it was very difficult. And I felt like there was no light at the end of the tunnel because I will never drop the ball on serving Jesus. And uh, at the same time, you know, I will never drop the ball on serving my family. So it was very, very exhausted. At that time, I began to uh, feel it, it was more than just a fatigue. It, it was uh, my body starts shutting down. I was hospitalized many times. Uh, my body stopped absorbing iron, all kinds of things start happening. I was diagnosed with my first autoimmune disease. Today I have three autoimmune diseases, but um, I was diagnosed with my first autoimmune disease. And I finally, um, you know, the situation got so worse that I was hospitalized, taken to critical care. My husband had to call 911 for me one day. I was paralyzed from head to toe for three and a half hours. I couldn't talk, I couldn't move, I couldn't do anything. So they put me in critical care and they ran all the tests that they could run um, only to find out the next day that I had the greatest panic attack anyone have, has ever seen in that hospital. No, nobody could ever imagine that a panic attack could be so severe in the point of paralyzing a person. So that's when everything began to change for me as a mom, as a person, as a homeschool mom. I, was, I had to step down from full-time ministry, obviously. My, my doctor said, there's no way I could go back to work. And he asked me, he begged me to take a year sabbatical. And, and again, for the second time in my life, you know, I was at home with my children asking the Lord, what did I do wrong? Why am I here now in this time out? You know, why am I here? And, uh, you know, going through this burnout, I mean, I was, I was so weak, so weak physically that I couldn't hold a glass of water in my hand. It was the worst thing that I have ever gone. And I'm a cancer survivor. I had cancer when I was 25 years old, so 20, 21 years ago. And I, I don't remember at any stage of my cancer being the way that I was after my burnout. So it lasts a long time. Uh, the, the, the recovery process was very, very slow. My body was really in a very bad shape. And um, about nine or 10 months later, uh, that year, as I tried to recover from the burnout, but not only from the burnout, I got severely depressed with the idea of being home and not being able to do anything, not having the energy to do anything. I, I, 
I couldn't cook for my children at the first months. I depended on friends from church to come over and wash the dishes for me while my husband was working and cook for my family because I didn't have any strength to do anything. I couldn't stand up and do anything. And anyway, so um, during, you know, this nine, 10 months process, I began just to cry out to the Lord and, and spend a lot of time in the word of God. And, and, um, and I felt like the Lord was saying to me that I needed to start a blog. And I thought it was a joke because English is not my first language and I'm, I'm not a natural writer at all. I actually don't like writing. Don't tell my audience that. <laughs> well, I guess now I love doing what I do, right? But I, it was never natural to me and I thought it was a joke. But I felt like the Lord was telling me I needed to help moms not to burn out the way that I did. He has given me a message to share with other moms. And either they were believers, you know, they were Christians or not. I needed to let them know that there was severe consequences for those who burn out. And because I have been there, I did not want anybody else to be in the same situation. So that's how my journey started with the blog about, I think, six years ago, five years ago, if I'm not mistaken. And our, our whole life was turned upside down after that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That is, I've been burnt out too. I don't think it was even a tenth of what it sounds like you went through. And it seems like now I write and speak about preventing burnout. It's like, that's my specialty. <laughs> that or time management and stress, like the stress that women um, go through. And I think in our generation, as um, we're Generation X, I guess, the one that no one ever talks about, we still had those traditional roles in our minds but we were also expected to bring home bacon. Um, so oftentimes you had 80% of the parenting and household management while also working, while homeschooling. And, um, and whereas I think the millennials have a better balance in their, even in their marriages, like millennial guys like they do a lot of parenting and housework and things like that but in our generation it was all on us and even if it really wasn't we thought it was we thought yeah. we should be able to do everything that's right you know i i always thought like oh i'm a superwoman i can do all things i can i can juggle everything until i I were not, <laughs> you know, I wasn't. Yes, so, exactly. um, it, it, yeah. So, so I always felt like, well, if I can do this, everybody else can do it. Right. And I was so wrong. I was just so wrong. You see, there's, there's a reason why God gave us the Sabbath. That's a, there's a reason why God said, listen, you're limited. <laughs> yeah. We need to understand our limitations. And the problem is that we tend to um, get, uh, get into this mindset that we can multitask. Oh, we can do everything as long as there's a space in our calendar. And, and I think that that's a lie from the pit of hell, to be honest with you. Yes. Um, I think that we're, we're, have, we're getting into serious, serious troubles um, 
for trying to do everything at the same time and nothing well done. And we are causing a lot of bad consequences, not only to our, our physical health, but to our mental health and our spiritual lives. Um, it, it's compromising our relationship with our husbands, with our children. You know, we, we, we've been living in this such a busy world with so many distractions. Um, and, and we women, especially, <laughs> I know you might agree with me, our brains never shut down. So <laughs> it's going all the time and we can't rest. And when we lay down in bed at night, we're, we're just so overwhelmed. It is hard for us to sleep well. It's, it's hard for us to have a quiet time, right? Because you're always thinking, what's the next thing that you need to get done? It's true. And then relationships become one more thing on your to-do list instead of what they're intended to be. That's right. Even to our parents or our siblings, you know, you're always too busy to give people attention. And, and that's a shame. That's heartbreaking. So when you're talking about burnout, I've been there, gotten the t-shirt and written a book about it. And I know there are <laughs> listeners who have felt alone, felt overwhelmed and thought that they were the only one because everyone else they knew seemed to be sailing through it. And if we could just sift through all of the causes of our burnout, it would boil down to two things, stress and taking care of everyone but ourselves, right? That's so true. I often, I share how I was taking care of those two churches, helping taking care of those two churches and all the other families and everything else, but not taking care of myself, not taking care of my family the way that I wanted to. And this, the stress, the pressure that the world puts on you uh, to get everything done, right? And to be perfect. And, and, and I, you know, as pastors, there is a greater stress on us. We can't simply be human beings who have issues like everybody else because you have everyone else in the church looking up to you. So you feel like if you're going to a struggle, it's very hard for you to share it because you, you feel like people are going to look down on you. And I don't know if you have gone through the situation with your husband as well, but my husband and I have always felt like that in 20 years of ministry. It, it, was, it, it was always hard for us to share the struggles that we were going through in certain areas or to find somebody that we could confine and, and talk about it and process those things with. It's always been helpful to us to have friends that don't go to our church perhaps other ministry people or just wise Christian friends um, that can be a sounding board and that don't have those kind of expectations where you can kind of let your guard down. But um, we kind of made a, like, we don't want to be fake. And I think some people wish I was That's more right. fake. <laughs> some people wish I was more fake <laughs> because I'm very honest and um, sometimes direct. Um, so I wouldn't say we've had problems with image maintenance or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, but, but it's hard, you know, marriage can be hard at times. Um, parenting is hard at times. We 
are really blessed that our church hasn't put a lot of pressure on us and our kids, but at the same time, the kids sometimes feel it. Um, like my son, everyone tells him he should be a pastor. Um, actually, he's extremely empathetic, caring, and wise, and I think he mm -hmm. would make a great pastor, but I don't want him to be one unless he gets called by God to be one because there are a lot out exactly. there that shouldn't be doing it. And, uh, and you know, it's it can be a challenge, so it's um, it's good not to enter into it lightly necessarily but i remember That's one time right. yeah i remember one time teaching sunday school and my kids got the answer right of whatever the biblical question was and another kid piped up and said oh well you know the answer because you're the pastor's kid and i oh. i jumped in and i said actually um it's not because he's the pastor's kid because all parents are supposed to be like Christian parents are supposed to be teaching these things to their kids, whether they're pastor or not. So that's right. But our kids sometimes don't like, don't like those kind of things. That's right. And, and I think that one of the things that I have, um, always made a priority since I start writing and start ministering to homeschool parents, to homeschool moms, is that we need to be transparent to one another because we're called to encourage one another and we're called to bear each other's burden. So I have never held anything back on my, my uh, most wonderful homeschool days I shared, but my lowest homeschool days <laughs> I shared with my audience as well. And I always do all the time because you see there's this also this pressure in the homeschool community. I, I have a, a real big problem with uh, like Instagram. I have a hard time keeping up with my Instagram account because I see all this perfect pictures of stage table, homeschool tables and stage homeschool displays. And, and like, there's this kind of like this competition of what looks more perfect. And I looked at that. And I'm like, this is not my reality. You know, <laughs> we live in an RV. It's not like we have a beautiful homeschool room or anything like that. And, and sometimes it, it can get you and, um, and make you feel down. You feel like, well, that, you know, or maybe I'm just not doing enough, which is a big problem in the homeschool community. A lot of moms feel like they are not doing enough. They're not good enough. And, and I want to uh, just break that paradigm. I want to break that lie, you know, and I want to show them, no, you know, like <laughs> this is what real school looks like. This is what real homeschool struggles look like. And guess what? I'm going through all the struggles with you. Right, they we need to know that we have each other and we can rely on each other to make things better without having to fake anything. I think that's great just for all of life, right? Just be real. Yes, it is. Yep. So yes, absolutely. So talking about making things better, can you give us a few tips or pointers for if we are feeling overwhelmed or burnt out on how to make a change? Yes, absolutely. I'll tell you by my own experience, one of the first things that we did was stop doing busy work and we focused on our relationship. That was a big change for us. When I stopped just checking off the lists 
And uh, for, for three years of my homeschool, I thought that, you know, my kids, the, the more I'll make them do, the more they will learn. And I was very, very wrong because first of all, I wasn't paying attention in how they learned. I wasn't being a good student of my children and observing them and, and knowing how they process things, know how they retain things better. So what we did at the beginning, I mean, was just put everything aside and we focused on building relationship. And I focused on just watching them carefully and, and trying to do things that they loved and they were engaged instead of just getting them busy on the table with textbooks and workbooks. And that was such a relief for us. We felt so much peace in our home when we stopped the busy work. The other thing that we do is that we cleared our calendar completely. I canceled every extracurricular things that we did. And instead, let's say my kids that used to do swimming and all of these different things in co-ops, instead of having an agenda or a calendar that was filled with activities like that, that we never stopped, it was just exhausting for all of us. We just did some of those activities as a family for fun. And it was so good. We used to go to the recreation centers and swim together. Some nights, you know, some evenings after my husband got home and we had dinner, we'd just go swim for a little bit. And we used to do, just go ice skating as a family or, or going to watch something together instead of uh, making us a... Um, um, it wasn't something that we had to do. It was something that we wanted to do. So we slowed down our rhythm a lot. Uh, and we began to focus more on reading great literature. Um, a lot of great conversations about topics that we were learning. I, I knew for the first three years, I kind of have killed in my children the love for learning. And I needed to revive that. I needed to revive that in myself, right? And I needed to revive that in my children. So we became more focused and doing things that we really enjoyed doing it. And as we did this, our attitude towards learning changed. Our attitude towards each other or spending time together has changed for better. And, and my kids really rask that love for learning. And, and today we have, it's, it's so joyful. It's, it's so good for us to get together and explore new topics together and learn together. And I'm, I'm not saying um, by any means that we have no structure in our homeschool. We do. We have our routine. But our routine is it's, it's weaved naturally into our family rhythm. It's not something forced. It's not something that, you know, rigid, like nine o'clock, we need to start this or 10 o'clock, we need to start that. That's not how it is at all. So we still follow a routine. We still do all the things that we love, but sometimes we do the things that we don't love so much. Like my kids are doing in sixth grade math or seventh grade math right now, but they have learned to enjoy the process of learning. And, and that's the most important thing. Um, the other thing that we focus more in our homeschool that has changed a lot is the knowledge of God and the science of relationships. So Charlotte Mason talks a lot about that, the science of relationships. Everything is interrelated. Um, and we, we love connecting the points. We love connecting everything and just uh, 
really loving to learn how God is the center of all those things and how he makes the perfect connection with all things, including science and physics and chemistry and everything else. So those have been the points that we have, we have been focused. And in a sense, I'm so thankful that actually I got burned out back then because Otherwise, we would not have been, uh, we have not been here in the place that we are today, where we truly enjoy our relationship and learning together and building each other up, encouraging one another, and, and also connecting with other families. We lead a membership for 350 families today, where we are always doing these things, and we're... Um, we, we just love where we are today. We're, we're thankful that so many things had to change in order for us to be here. But the, you know, if I, if I want to share something with your audience, um, it's, it's that you don't need to go through a burnout to start making better changes uh, for your homeschool and start focusing on, on the relationship with your children, which is the most precious thing you can do it. At the end of the day, it's not about the grades. It's not about how many pages we have done in our homeschool. It's the knowledge that we acquired, the conversations that we had, the projects that we created, the snacks that we made, the nature walks that we took, and the knowledge that is it's engraved in them and it's not just momentarily, it's something that, you know, it's in their heart, it's in their minds, they don't forget. Because essentially the things that you've talked about are making memories. That's what it is. It's about making memories. You know, I always tell other moms, um, if I had one goal is, is to create a home that my kids always wanted to go back to and they wanted to recreate it later on. I didn't have that growing up, but I wanted to give this to my children. I wanted to pass that as the legacy to my children. And, and that's part of what we do as, as a homeschool family is, is discipleship every day. It's building that relationship and the building, creating those memories together and, and, and inspiring them. I love when my daughters say like, oh, I can't wait to homeschool my children. I can't wait to do those things with my children because they are inspired. They are encouraged by what they see, right? And, and not because we're perfect. We're not perfect at all. You know that. Uh, we're not perfect moms. We try to do our best every single day because we know that at the end of the day, we're being their role model and we want to model it right. Are you homeschooling high school? Canadian resources are often hard to find. The people that brought you headphone history have created a Canadian geography companion workbook to the Encounter Canada textbook. This amazing workbook takes the text and turns it into a complete geography credit with lesson plans, worksheets, and over a hundred instructional videos, allowing your students to work independently while getting the instruction they need. You can find it at headphonehistory.com homeschool on the podcast website or on Amazon. And now back to our podcast. Do you think sometimes we get good at this parenting thing when we're almost done? I don't think so. My mom, my mom says, I mean, I'm 46. I'm the oldest one. She says it never ends. 
<laughs> just that it gets better after, you know, we grow up and we mature and we have our, our children, but she's still parenting me, parenting me to this day. So yeah, it, 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 it's, it takes, I mean, different seasons uh, will come. They will be different, but the parenting will always be there somehow. I guess I was more thinking like when you first start out with parenting and homeschooling and the two go hand in hand, so it's hard to separate them, but you've never done it before. You have a few ideas, but you're just, you're kind of learning as you go along. So I think if I were to go back and do it over again, I would do it differently. Not every single oh, thing absolutely. differently. Yeah. But I notice with my, we have four, so I notice my older two, I was way more traditional and tough on them. And my younger two have reaped the benefits of me learning from that. And, yes. <laughs> and so that's what I meant by like, we, by the time we figure it out, <laughs> we are, you know, we've been going for a while. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We learn and we change and we are molded and shaped into a better character and uh, the experiences that we go through. Um, of course, by the time that uh, your youngest gets to high school or something or middle school, um, your parenting is much better. Your homeschool experience with them is much better. I believe that. I mean, look at when, my, when we started the first three years of homeschool with my oldest uh, my youngest got the best part of it because when she started in kindergarten, I was already kind of following a Charlotte Mason philosophy of education. We were so much more relaxed and it was just so like, there was so much joy and, and it was exciting to learn together than it was when my son came home and we start homeschooling him. And I was just, you know, doing busy work with him and loading him with workbooks and textbooks and, and checking off the boxes. So absolutely. And the other thing that I, I, you know, I see today that before I didn't realize how much, uh, how much he was going to be part of our homeschool is that homeschooling is, it gives you an opportunity to parent the heart of your children. So when you're, we're homeschooling them. You're also parenting their hearts, teaching them how to deal with their emotions and all of those things. I have two preteens right now. <laughs> so there's a lot of emotional stuff going on sometimes. And I think it's just a blessing that they are learning home and you, you can mentor them through all of those difficult stages of their lives. Mentorship is a huge thing in, in homeschooling. So I'm thinking that um, the more traditional, classical kind of uh, trying to recreate the school in the home, which it's a whole different type of education. So that's not ideal, but many of us have done it, especially back in the earlier years of the homeschooling movement, because we didn't know there weren't all these, like I had never heard of Charlotte Mason when I was homeschooling my my older ones, for example. So do you think that Ideally, we can parent our children's hearts, but sometimes do you think that if we're so focused on getting the schoolwork done and we have a traditional approach, we can actually miss parenting their hearts, even though we're homeschooling, 
because we're just focused on this whole education thing that we have to get done. Yeah, that's, that's definitely, um, you know, some families do really well with traditional way of schooling and that's fine for them. And, and, you know, some moms are very wise and they know that they can do both things at the same time. It wasn't a good fit for my family, to be honest with you. Traditional schooling at home did not work for us. We all end up overwhelmed and overworked. And um, my kids hated homeschooling at that point, you know, right before I burned out completely. It, it just it just sucked all the joy out of us. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think that there is a fine line there, and I think the the biggest mistake that moms make. I mean, I have written so much on you know mistakes that home that, that new homeschool moms make because I made them all. I, I like like I said, I got the teach the t shirt. I wrote the book. You know, I've been there, done that. Um, but one of the biggest mistake is that they they start thinking at, um, of themselves as teachers, and they put the mothers aside. You know, and we're still mom, and this is still home. And we're the comforters, we're the encouragers, we're the cheerleaders, we're the mentors. We are, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a different role. You do not have to substitute the teacher from the public school. You do not have to mimic public school at home. And, but I think that that's the biggest mistake that we make because that's all we know. When we first start homeschooling, most of us have never read a book about homeschooling. We have never really uh, given a chance to know that there, is other, there are other ways to, to educate our children. So we tend to just um, mimic what, we, what was done to us, just repeat what was done to us and how it was done to us. Exactly. And even some homeschoolers are, were heading to be teachers or were teachers in schools. And so it's very natural to bring that whole paradigm with you into your home education too. It, it's funny because of all the new homeschool moms that we have in our community, the ones that have uh, the most uh, um, complicated time starting to homeschool are actually the teachers who came out of public school and are, are homeschooling their, their kids because they are trying to redo what they used to do in a classroom of 30, of, you know, 20, 30 kids. So those are the ones who need to de-schooling first. <laughs> and they are the ones who really have a hard time. And then all of a sudden they're like, when they let it go of what they did before and what they learned, they're like, oh my goodness, this is so much easier. You know, this is, it, it's like education, home education is supposed to be organic. It's supposed to be something that is like part of your daily life with your children. You know, it brings me back to uh, the Shema, you know, here Israel in, in the Bible, in the book of Deuteronomy. And it says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. When you walk by the way, when you sit by the house, when you lie down and, you know, so, and when you rise up, it's, it's something like, you know, we're educating our children. We're teaching our children and everything that we do every single day, it should be absolutely natural to us. Yeah, and that verse was our reason for homeschooling. But I still think that you, like, as you said, especially if you're a teacher type, I call it, then you have to definitely de-school. And I know I had to do that. 
Um, I don't know if I did it all the way <laughs> or did it in time, but it's important to day school at the same time too, because, um, like I was homeschooling a lot longer ago <laughs> than, than you, we still had something to prove back then. We still had something to prove. And now homeschoolers can kind of ride on the coattails of all of us earlier homeschool schoolers who, you know, created those great statistical results about how well homeschoolers do. So now that gives, you know, you guys permission <laughs> to, um, to relax a little. But we had, back then we did have something, we felt that we had something to prove. There was pressure on us societally to show that homeschooling was a good education and that was equivalent or better than public education. And so I think there was a lot of pressure on about that, but I think it's such a well-known movement now, and especially with COVID. I love that meme that is on the internet where it's like the perception of homeschool moms before COVID and it shows a whole bunch of like Amish yeah. ladies. And then it says the perception of homeschool moms after COVID and it shows all the superhero women like Wonder Woman, Black Widow, all the superhero women. Um, because yeah, it's, I think that it's more socially acceptable now and it's been more proven so there isn't necessarily the same societal pressure on homeschoolers that there was when, uh, when my mom was doing it or when I, early when I was doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that COVID has been a blessing in disguise because it has brought families together. More families are understanding the importance of educating their children at home right now. There's that relationship, that importance of relationship that happened during COVID because parents were finally home with their children for a while. And instead of focusing on working, 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 making money, buying stuff and paying bills, you know, and it, it's, it has opened a lot of eyes. And um, I'm really, really glad to see more and more families starting to homeschool now and, and discovering the benefits of homeschooling. And, and listen, um, education is not a competition. You, you know, there's, it's, it's so funny because if you think about um, when your kids are going to get jobs later on in life, nobody asks them like, you know, did you know how to solve mixed numbers and fractions, you know, exercises or activities or whatever, whatever. They're not going to know like, okay, at what age should you start reading? Those like, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. A lot of those things don't matter. But what matter is when our kids go find jobs that they have good characters, they know how to communicate, they are respectful, they are on time, they are responsible, right? They know how to treat other people. I mean, they are go-getters. They, if they don't know what to do, they will find out because they think outside the box. They are creative. They are resourceful. They don't depend on other people to tell them what to do. They just got the job done because they were taught to, you know, self-education is a big part of homeschooling as well. They are learning how to dig in for themselves and, and find out. So we see, we see that they are thriving in universities. They are thriving in businesses. A lot of them are entrepreneurs more than they are employees. 
you know, they have, they, they really have a great thinking when it comes to uh, building their own businesses and, and succeed on their own. So I think that that proves a lot. It does. And you're so right that that particular mark in that one course doesn't necessarily matter so much. I mean, you have to, I suppose, if you're in university or college, you definitely have to pass your courses. Um, and if you plan to get into medical school or law school, those marks are very important. But I remember when my husband was in seminary and we just had baby number four. And um, during that time, I was home with the kids and not running any businesses because I was having, my business was having baby number four. And so he was juggling, providing for the family and like working and being a dad and in school full time for seminary for his master's degree. And, and he just realized, you know what, I need to get this credit in Greek, but it doesn't matter if I get an A plus or an A minus or a B plus, like all that doesn't really matter because I'm providing for my family, I'm spending time with my kids and serving. And obviously in seminary, you're still serving in ministry as well. So it, it was um, a really good perspective because the thing is no one has ever asked him what mark he got in Greek and he just has a computer program for it now. But that totally goes right. <laughs> that totally goes against how my brain would normally work. Like if I thought when I was busy, you know, getting A's and trying hard, or maybe not trying hard, getting A's, I I never thought I would hear myself say that, oh, that mark doesn't really matter. But I've been able to coach my kids when they've had a very difficult subject um, in college, say for example to just say, okay, you, this one course, like not for every course, you don't, you're not trying to tell them to not try and do bare minimum or whatever, but you know, it can take a lot of stress off when you are getting a realistic perspective of how important things are and how important that they aren't. That's right. That's right. You know, you, you need to, you need to focus on what really matters. And, and that's, that's what we always focus on in our own homeschool sisterhood community. It's keep our focus on what really matters because there's certain, you know, it's, it's not, okay, we know the math builds concept upon each other, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't want our kids to miss anything because yeah. otherwise it's going to be a snowball. And, but honestly, I, um, I put no pressure on my children when it comes to math now, and they do really well because there's no pressure. Ricky, so what are we going to do? We're going to dwell on it until we understand. Um, it's not going to be in a forceful way. It's going to be a, hey, let's just do it five, 10 minutes every day until we get this and move on. But their life is not going to be over because they can't get a math problem done right. Because most of those math problems here are nonsense. And we're not going to need to solve them in today's world, right? I think it's just like, picking the battles, picking the battles, what's really, what really matters. And, and if I can just be very open with you, I'll tell you what really matters for me and for my family. It matters that my kids love the Lord, their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. It matters that they have good godly character. 
it matters that you know the all the knowledge that they have the one day they're going to use for good and it's not going to be vain knowledge um it, it matters that you know they love learning and in any position that they are put in any situation they are put they are going to use their love for learning to try to do their best to excel in everything they excel in everything that they do so those are the things that really matter for me and for my family i know that my kids are well educated i know that my kids have a, a vast knowledge of history and culture and nature and science and and arts and all of those things uh, but all the knowledge in the world it's nothing compare um, if they are not saved if they don't have good character if they don't love learning um, you know it's I think that that's what really matters at the end. And if, if we don't have a good relationship with each other, I think that that's, uh, I think that there's a lot of parents who are sacrificing what really matters for good grades. And that's concerning. Yeah, it's hard when your kids get older and they make choices and those goals that you have for them um, are not necessarily being met because they're in the age where they can make their own choices. And, and sometimes they make fantastic choices and you're just like, yes, we did the right thing. This is good. But you do learn that it's not a formula despite <laughs> your best we intentions. We understand that. Yeah. That's right. Um, but also that's where that relationship comes in because as I've been telling myself, I'm always going to be their mom. They don't have any other mom. So whatever valleys and mountains they go through on their journey, I'm still their mom. I still love them. And I'd rather have that kind of relationship where we can talk about things. Absolutely. Your relationship is the most important thing. That's it. And no matter, listen, Either they take the right thing or the right, make the right choice later on or, or not. We're still planting all the seeds that we can today and, and pouring out love on them and acceptance of, uh, on them and doing the best way that, then, that we can. That's all we can do and just trust God for whatever is going to happen later on, right? But here's yep. the thing. We, your kids, run back home when they feel need uh, the need for love and comfort and 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 peace and you know it's is that the kind of home that you're building today that they want to come back to it, is the relationship that you're building with them today the kind of relationship that they're always going to go back to and they're going to say mom can can I talk to you you know are those things being a priority in your relationship with them while you homeschool today while you parent them today because they should be absolutely your priority yep yep and it's i was at a seminar one time when i think my husband was doing an internship and i had little ones and i was homeschooling and the seminar was very linear it was like these should be your priorities um, you know, God, husband, children, not church, like not being so busy with church that you're neglecting your children, etc. 
but I found that um, I found that my life was a bit more complicated than to make it that clear and simple because um, in order to prioritize my husband, I had to sometimes participate in the church activities alongside him so that I was helping him because I was made to be his helpmeet. Um, so then I was leaving my children at home, but at the same time I was homeschooling them all day. So I was with them. I, they were my priority. Um, but you can see that how, like, I guess in ministry, all of those priorities, and I'm sure you experienced that and it contributed to your burnout. Everything's not in separate compartments. And um, mm -hmm, I remember, I remember going to the person giving the seminar and she had been um, like a kind of like a district attorney or something like that. And she, and she had realized that she needed to prioritize her family. So when I came to her with my dilemma, cause I'm like, cause I always want to do the right thing, whatever that is. And I came to her with the dilemma and she just looked at me. She's like, you are a homeschooling mother of four children. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you're, you're more than making them your priority, even though, you know, you have to be at church in the evening next to your husband and you're making him a priority as well, you know? So listen, you can't be everywhere every day, all the time. I always say you can do everything. You just cannot do everything all the time, right? You need, you're going to have to split yourself and, and you did the right thing during the day. You made your children a priority. And then at night you were at church with your husband and that's what you had to do. But it's, it's exhausted, especially being in ministry. We know that there's no separation. Like there's no nine to five and all we're going to be all our family together enjoying the evening. We know that. So Yes. You, you do what you got to do. And in whatever circumstance you are, you stop and you ask yourself, what is my number one priority right now? You know, and, and think about where is it that the, the, need, the need is greatest and, and meet that need. And, but always in everything that you do, just, just keep the eternal perspective of what really going to make a difference years from now or, you know, later on in life and you invest that time and plant those seeds into it and listen we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow we only have today so we better be wise with our time and and uh invest in the right the right relationships and the right the right places thank you so much for sharing with us i think i'm not going to do the home stretch normally as i would do because i think that we've kind of answered some of those questions in our conversation already i'll just ask uh the last one which is what advice just if you could briefly recap probably what we've already said if you could leave the listeners with one word of encouragement what would you say I'll say, moms, slow down, take deep breath, make some time for yourself, fill your bucket before you try to fill anything else. Make sure you're focusing on the priorities, on the things that really matter. Invest in building those relationships with your children, parent their hearts, become their students, watch them closely. And then as a mentor, just help them to maximize their potential in everything that they do. 
let, let, let love be the, the bound between you guys and your family. Um, I think that that's what really makes a difference. That's what really brings joy and peace and encouragement and inspiration into a homeschool family. So and that's, that's my advice. Slow down and uh, trust that you are doing the best thing for your children and focus on the, those relationships. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. You can find helpful links and show notes for this episode at our website, canadahomeschools.com. Please share this podcast with your friends and leave a rating and positive review on your podcast provider. This will help others find their dose of inspiration and encouragement. Happy homeschooling, Canada! Hee <laughs> hee!